Welcome back to another episode of Better with Paul. Now, you know, like always, this episode was incredible. Not only did we have amazing guests, but this episode was packed full of value. And I know a lot of people overuse that word value, but I promise you, this was value. So I'm excited for you to hear it. Let's do it right after the break. Another episode of Better with Paul. We are back. I want to say from the bottom of my, uh, bottom of my, I would say part, and I no longer have a part. From the bottom of my heart, I want to say happy new year. Now, today we've got some serious business, folks. We've got some serious, serious business. I've been thinking about what I could do to bring something special to you right at the top of the year, right? And I started thinking about this in November. I was thinking, what could I do? I wanna bring something special. I wanna do something big. I wanna make sure that this is a significant impact in your life. And this is my idea. My idea is to kind of reflect back on the last year of interviews, because I've had an opportunity to interview some phenomenal people. And I wanna share with you what I consider to be the biggest gems as you are looking to either start a business or you're looking to grow your business. Today, I wanted to figure out what I could do that was special, what I could do to bring some extra value to you. Now, I want you to listen to the following message, because this is very, very important. I'm coming to you as either big bro or little bro, but I'm coming to you out of love today, all right? I'm coming to you out out of love. But let me tell you what I'm not going to do today. Today, I'm not here to debate whether or not what I'm about to tell you is going to be impactful to you growing your business or to you starting your business. I'm not here to debate the validity of what I'm telling you. And the reason why is because I'm a grown man right now, right? I feel 2021, I really feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in my zone, okay? I've been doing this for a long time. I've been running businesses for a long time, successful businesses for a long time. I've been coaching mentees who have been running successful businesses for a long time. I have friends who have successful businesses all over the world. I've been interviewing people for the last 10 years who run successful businesses. I'm no longer here to debate the validity of what I have to say, okay? I'm here just to spit facts. I'm here just to basically say, hey, as as your big brother, as your little brother, whoever I am to you, I'm here just to tell you, hey, here's what you need to do. This is the yellow brick road. This is not me guessing. This is not me hypothesizing. This is not me trying to come up with some quick 10 little hacks for you just to fill up a a, a presentation. No, this is a decade plus of hardcore hustle and work. And what I've done is I've decided to distill 10 steps for you. This is what we're working with right here, okay? 10 steps entrepreneurs can take to make $1 million in 2021. 
let me break down what this really means because I'm going to say things that you're going to say, Paul, man, you, Paul, you, 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 you've changed on us. It's not that I've changed on you. I'm now impatient. The reason why I'm impatient is because I know a lot of you for five years, eight years, 10 years. I know some of you here watching for 15 years, okay? I know a lot of you who have been talking about starting businesses for a decade and you've never started. I know some of you have started working on your business, but quite honestly, you're half-assing your business. Not whole-assing, as I say, you're half-assing your business. I know some of you who've started and you're working diligently on your business, but you're not willing to admit where you have gone off the path, right? What I'm here to tell you are 10 steps, and this is my commitment. This is what, something that I believe. I truly believe if you do all 10 of these, whether you have just have a business idea or you've already started your business, and you're working on that path to growing the revenue, if you do all 10 of these authentically and earnestly, I believe you're going to grow your revenue to a million dollars and beyond, all right? I truly believe this. You do all 10 of these, all 10 earnestly, I believe you will grow your business to a million dollars and beyond. Now. Will it take one year? Will it take five years? Will it take 10 years? I don't know how long it's going to take, but I really believe, I'm not going to say I guarantee, actually, I should say I guarantee, I should I should bet somebody on this. Really, if somebody wants to take this wager, take the wager with, actually, who wants to take a wager with me? Who wants to take a wager? Who wants to take a wager right now that if you do all 10 of these, your business will go to 1 million or more? Who wants to take that wager? And I'm saying you have, you have to be ready. You have to be willing to put something up of value. Who wants to take that wager? Somebody jump into the chat with me. Who wants to take that wager? Okay, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. I see. Who was the first? I saw. Was it Angelica? Who, who was it? Somebody said, I will do this. I will take it. All right. I'm going to take this. His name is Paul. He wants to take this wager. All right, Paul. Here's my commitment. Paul Pereira. Okay. Paul, where I don't know where you are in your business. And this is for everybody, though, but let me just do this with Paul. If you do all 10 of these earnestly, I don't know where you are in your business. Let me say this. You do all 10 of these earnestly. And if you have not seen what and will define what substantial revenue uptake is, right? I don't know what substantial revenue is to you, but let's say you and I will come up with substantial slide into my DMs. We'll come up with substantial. If you don't have substantial revenue impact or uptick in 12 months from following all 10 of these steps, I'll give you a thousand dollars, a thousand US, 1000 US. I will literally PayPal to you or wherever you are. Cause sometimes countries are, are not taking PayPal. I will send you 1000 US, everyone watching. We have over a thousand people watching on all these platforms. They're all going to hold me accountable. I'll send you a thousand US if you have not had a substantial uptick in 12 months, but here's the catch. The catch is you have to report. I'm gonna set you up with my assistant, okay? You have to report to me each month 
what you're doing in all 10 categories, okay? By the way, this is something that all of you could be doing right now. Hold yourself accountable. All 10 of these, all 10 of these, you have to do. Each month, I want you to report back to my assistant or for you all that want to, want to do this, report to each other. And if you are half-assing any of these 10, then you have to give me something. Maybe not $1,000. We'll, we'll work it out, right? You, but you got to do something for me, right? Something of value. If you half-ass just one month, then, then that's it. It's done. It's out. It's over. I won. But if you are not, if you are going hard every month in all 10 of these categories, you're going to see a substantial uptick. And if you don't, I'll, I'll give you a thousand dollars. All right. So can, can we get started? Brandy wants an accountability partner, right? Uh, a lot of people want accountability partners in here. Jump in. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. Okay. So now let's talk about some things on the front end, just so we can talk about how many entrepreneurs there actually are out here. Okay. Because a lot of us don't realize that around the world, and, and it, it's hard, it, was, it was hard for me to really find these statistics. I had to do a lot of estimates, to be quite honest with you. But there are 2.5 billion entrepreneurs out here who are running full-time businesses who don't have employees. And let me, the reason why I want to set this stage is because I just want to set for you the stage of just how challenging it is to make money as an entrepreneur. Because we're, we're told, be an entrepreneur, jump into entrepreneurship. You see all of these stories about Elon Musk and Jeffrey Bezos, uh, you know, and, and Mark Zuckerberg and, and Bill Gates making $230 billion over the last year, right? You hear all of these stories and you think, oh, I'll just be an entrepreneur and I'll make lots of money. But let me tell you, Around the world, most businesses are non-employee-led businesses. There's billions of these businesses. And guess what? Here's the sad state of affairs. This is it. 36,000 US is the average amount of money that these businesses are making. So let me tell you, let me ask you, it depends on where you live in the world, but can you, can you live on this? Can you live on 36,000 US per year? Can you send your, your, your kids to the schools that you want to send them to? Can you take the vacations that you want to and get the experiences that you want? Can you give back to your parents and your family? Can you do that on 36,000 US per year? Well, maybe if you live in, you know, Nigeria, right? If you look, look, maybe actually in Jamaica, right? If you live in some of these places, maybe, but for the most part, we can't do it. So here's the question. The question that I have for you is how many of these 2.5 billion businesses do you believe will make over $1 million in annual revenue? I'm talking about 1 million USD. How many do you think, drop it in the chat, how many of the 2.5 billion businesses around the US, around the world, do you believe will make over 1 million US? Because here's the point, 
You go online every day, everyone's saying, oh yeah, I run a seven figure business. I make seven figures. I do seven figures. You see, you get, you get hit in the head with Facebook ads all day about how people are making seven figures. Quite honestly, 90% of that is lies, I believe. But the question becomes, how, what percentage? I see 2%. I see, look at this, Angelica, all right? Angelica, let me tell you why Angelica's on point. Because here's the sad state of affairs. Less than 1%, you definitely got that right. See, see some saying 20, 30%. No, no. See, this is the thing. Less than 1% of the 2.5 billion businesses will make over 1 million US ever, you know, annually, ever. Less than 1%. A disproportionate amount of those are going to be making their money in the U.S., all right? So I say all of this because if you could grow your business to over a million U.S. per year, you are doing something that literally 99% of all businesses in the world are not doing, are not doing. If you could grow your business to over a million in, in revenue per year, you will be able to not only change your life, you, you'll be able to change the life of your family. You'll be able to change the life of your employees that you hire. You'll be able to change the life of those around. You will literally be able to change your life. This is the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on this $1 million figure. It's not because I'm caught up in the seven figure you know, thing that it feels like we're all caught up in. It's because I just want to emphasize when you could create that level of revenue, you're going to change your life. You're going to change the lives of others. All right. So now I have been interviewing hundred. this past year. I interviewed a hundred people, but I've interviewed hundreds of people over the last 10 years. Okay. And here's the commonality. Here's what I've been looking for when I interview folks. And you're going to see something, you're going to see an interesting commonality here, okay? The first is, if someone could grow their business to a million dollars in sales, I'm paying close attention, right? That's someone who I'm, I'm interested in potentially interviewing. When someone can maintain that revenue for three plus years, this is important because you can actually... I think that you, you can hack your way to a million dollars over a year. And we could talk about this later, but you can hack your way to it, right? But can you sustain that for multiple years? Someone could do that. I'm paying close attention to you. If you can have income of over 20%, I don't want to go too crazy with the finance stuff here, but revenue is called top line. That's sales. And then out of your revenue, you have lots of expenses. Number one expense, employee expenses. You have product expenses. You have operational expenses. You have cell phone expenses. You have all kinds of expenses, right? Once you get to the very bottom, after you've taken out all those expenses, that's your income. If you can have a 20% income, so 20% on 1 million, that's $200,000. If you could have a 20% or higher income, I'm paying attention to you, okay? I'm paying close attention to you. If you could do all of this with no VC funding, I want to say something that's very important is that there, we celebrate VC culture. We celebrate this. I don't. I have lots of friends who are venture capitalists, 
but I don't celebrate this. And the reason why I don't celebrate this is because why should we get excited when we give up 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90% of our company, right, of our baby to someone else? Most of us start businesses so that we can have autonomy and control over our lifestyle, control over our time, control over our impact. And when you give up that control to someone else, typically people who you're going to hate, trust me, I've been down this path. I've raised money before. Typically people who are you are not going to like, let me, let me clean this up because they might be watching right now. I won't say hate. People who you might not like very much, okay? If you have to, if you do that, why should we be celebrating this? I, I personally, I don't celebrate VC, VC culture, all right? This is just me. The next is this, black. This is very important. Very important. I want to spend a second on this. I wrote this in the post, but I don't want to I want to spend a second on this. If you go look at all the top business periodicals right now, The Economist, Forbes, um, Entrepreneur, uh, Fast Company, Inc. Like if you go look at these companies and you go look at these, these media sites and you go look at their entrepreneur section or their small business section. 100% of the time, you're going to see what I call a Silicon Valley tech bro company represented. You're going to see an article on one of these companies, right? Right now, Clubhouse, everyone's talking about Clubhouse and the founders of Clubhouse and blah, 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 which by the way, disproportionately Clubhouse grown on the backs of black people, but yet... There's no real black equity that, 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 that black people have in, 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 in Clubhouse. But here's my point. My point is this, is that we are in a culture that celebrates a select group of people. And the problem, and I was even looking at this today when I was looking at my books over here. I, was, I, I, have, I have all these business books, you know, uh, hyper-focus, influenced by Cialdini. Um, of course, I have why should white guys have all the fun by Richard Lewis? But I, ha I have all these, you know, I read all these business books. All the time I'm reading business books. And if you look, if you read these business books, rarely do you see the focus on anyone black. Sure, you'll see Damon John from Shark Tank. He, he gets all the black love right now, right? You, 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 you'll see once in a while, you'll see one little focus on a black company typically a black person in the United States. But I'm here to tell you right now, this is fact. Black people around the world have the largest hurdles, the biggest impediments when it comes to running businesses. And I don't need to debate any of this because this is fact, all right? If you disagree with me, get off this session, all right? Black people around the world. Now, I'm not saying that other people don't have problems. Yeah, other people have problems and issues and challenges when it comes to running businesses and growing businesses. But disproportionately, when it comes to infrastructure, when it comes to funding, when it comes to it, with every, every step of the way, Black people have a harder time growing businesses. And I'm even talking about when we're in Africa, right? Because the disproportionate amount of funding in Africa goes to white-led businesses. 
This is very important. This is very important for us to understand that black people have the hardest time running businesses. It's just fact, right? Now, who should you study? And I'm, I'm talking about of any, if you are of any ethnicity, who should you study? Should you study the story of Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah, sure. I think there's some gems there. Should you store, study the story of uh, like an Elon Musk? Sure. I think there's some gems there. There are gems that you could pick up. Should you study, uh, everyone loves Gary Vaynerchuk. Should you study uh, Gary Vaynerchuk? Sure. I think there's some gems there. Some gems there. But if you go study a lovey, you go study a Nana Kwame Beriako in Ghana, you go study a Carl Loco in the UK, you go study, you know, you, you go study uh, Byron Allen in, 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 in LA, right? You go study and typically any black entrepreneur, you're not going to find some gems, you're going to find a ridiculous litany of gems. Their entire story is going to be chalk filled of gems. Why? Because they have had a difficult time growing their business. And if you're going to learn how to grow your business, who would you rather learn from? So my point is this, we need to change the narrative around black thought leadership in business. And how to do that is for us to really study these black businesses from around the world and extract the lessons on how they've been able to build their business. Because let me tell you something, let me tell you something. If you find a business that has all of these things, over a million in you in sales, they've done it for over three years, income is 20% or more, no VC funding, and they're black, right there is the blueprint. That's the blueprint. If you just take that from this lesson, then just take that and go run with it. Because if you find businesses that fit all of those, they have the blueprint on how you do, how on how you should run your business. That is exactly how I determine who I'm going to interview on my podcast, Better with Paul. This is basically this is basically how I determine if I'm going to interview you. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. Okay. Now. Can we get started? We didn't even get started yet, all right? I'm just warming up right now. But now, let's get started. Let's get on the 10 steps. So the following 10 steps, okay? The following 10 steps, these are 10 steps that I have extracted from either my interviews as a business columnist for USA Today, my interviews for my podcast, Better With Paul, or the community that I have called BWP Connect. It's a membership community. We have conducted a lot of interviews there. I've pulled gems from those. So I've looked at all of these folks and I've pulled my top 10. So here's my top 10. Let's get to number one, all right? The first one, the first one is coming from the first person that I interviewed for Better With Paul. And I selected this person because I believe she embodies everything I stood for in the podcast, you know, focusing on legacy, focusing on, on financial freedom, right? Focusing on, on ambition. 
And one of the things that I found so interesting when I interviewed her, and, and keep in mind is this is someone who I have been tracking for a decade. Like literally, I've, I've been straight up stalking her for a decade and I've watched her go from working for someone else. So she, I, I watched her literally go from, she was working for another company. She was a part-time blogger, became full-time blogger, full-time writer, now full-time provocateur. So I've watched her for over 10 years. And when I interviewed her and she said the following, it completely blew my mind. Now, who am I talking about? Lovey, all right? This is what Lovey said. And this is the lesson that we need to pull from Lovey, all right? She said, I know her better than she knows herself. I know her better than she knows herself. What is Lovey talking about right there? She's talking about the first step the most important step, by the way, these steps are, are, are essentially in order, okay? The most important step for your business, that is you must know your avatar. Step number one, know everything about your avatar. Now, I'm not gonna belabor this, these steps. I'm gonna try to go through them in rapid fire, but your avatar is your customer right? The problem that most of us have is we go after a wide group of customers, right? Different ethnicities, different ages, different geographic regions. We go after a wide group of people. And when you go after a wide group of people and you think you're talking to everyone, you're actually talking to no one. And time after time after time, year after year after year, I've seen that when people can focus on one avatar and learn everything about their avatar, you will exponentially grow your business. This is exactly what Lovey did. Lovey is unapologetic on who her avatar is. And when she said that in the interview, it made all the sense in the world to me because you could go onto her Instagram, you could read her books, you can look at, you know, watch her TED talk, which is one of the most popular TED talks ever. And she's talking to one person. Now, the fact that she's talking to one person, does that mean that she doesn't talk, that she her message misses everyone else? No, no, right? You can have one specific avatar talk to your one specific avatar and still reach everyone else. But the, the difference here is that you should never deviate from your avatar. You must know everything. You must become obsessed with your avatar. So let me help you. We know that the step here is that you want to create an avatar. Here are three resources to help you, right, to create an avatar. One is listen to the first episode of Better With Paul. You're going to get a chance to hear Lovey talk about her avatar and talk about how she knows everything about avatar. And more importantly, you're going to hear Lovey talk about the fact that she knows the deep pain points of her, of her avatar, okay? So listen to that episode. Another resource is right here. I wanna shout out my sis, Dawn Easter. I don't have, by the way, I don't have a special deal with Dawn. I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not trying to dupe you guys into go to Dawn and hire her and she's gonna give me a, a, a kickback, no. 
I'm not about that today. I'm about just, but this is my ministry today. Okay. I'm just, I'm spitting game right here. This, this, this is, this, that's it. Right. Dawn is someone who's a friend of mine. She, I've known Dawn for, 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 for a long time. Dawn is also a mentee. Okay. Dawn is someone who knows everything there is to know about how to determine if you have the right avatar and if you know everything that you need to know about your avatar. I saw that Dawn has a website, has a, she's a, like this updated website and on it she has a free download of all of the questions that you should be asking to, to determine if you know enough about your avatar. It's a free download, I suggest everybody take advantage of it, okay? The point here is that you have to know the deepest pain point of your avatar. You know, Donald Miller, he wrote about this in his book, Building a Story Brand. And this is very important is that most businesses, they sell to the external, right? They sell to the, you know, what, you know, they, they you know, for example, you know, like, um, you know, I don't know, but let's, let's take, uh, let's, let, let's take, let's, let's take my iPhone, right? Most businesses will sell to, if they're trying to sell you a mobile, they might sell to the point of, oh, you know, you want a mobile because you want to call your mother, right? That's the external, right? The deeper is that, you know what, you want to stay connected to your family because, you know, because, you, you know, because, of, you know, because of COVID, because of whatever, like, you don't feel connected to your family. So the deeper point there is that you want to be connected to family, not that you just want to make a phone call, but you want to be connected. There's a deeper desire. The point is that with your avatar, you must know the deepest desires of your avatar. Okay, deepest desires. So that's number two. That's an, uh, another resource. And then another resource is right here. Dawn did a masterclass in BWP Connect, right? I talked about this community. This is a community that I ride for, right? She's already done a full masterclass on this. So if you're a part of BWP Connect, you can watch that whole masterclass, all right? The point is this. The point is make sure you know your avatar. This is step one. You must know your avatar. You must know everything about your avatar because that's how you're going to build your product and that's going to be how you speak to them, all right? Now, what's the second step? Second step is an interview that I did, or should I say, I learned the second step from an interview that I did with someone who I consider to be one of the most creative people in the world. Someone who I'm just, I'm just utterly proud of. And I've had the opportunity to interview him on two occasions. And the first time I interviewed him, I interviewed him in his art studio. And it was literally when I fell in love with art. He had a Dustin Yellen uh, sculpture in, in, his, in his foyer area. And I remember him explaining to me, you know, telling me about, you know, asking me how the structure made me feel. And I, I literally fell in, in love with art that day. And so I'm thankful to him for, you know, for teaching me about art. But, but more importantly, I'm thankful for this gem, right? So this is someone he, you know, he's, 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 he's worth, uh, you know, hundred, uh, I don't want to count his, his, his dollars, but I do like to count. 
I do like the count, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, I'm estimating that he's worth about between 150 and 300 million dollars. And what I find interesting is, is that typically when he touches something, it does phenomenally well. And I, I, I asked him, I was, I was asking him, how do you determine whether or not you're going to take a project, right? How do you determine if you're going to take a project? And this is exactly what he said. Right there. It's exactly what he said. This is none other than Kasim Dean, Swizz Beats. I interviewed him uh, for my column at USA Today. And he said, I only do it if I believe I can make history. Let me just sit. Let me just sit with that for a second. Just sit with that for a quick. Let me get a drink. Hold on. Did you feel that? Am I, the, am I the only one that felt that? I only do it if I believe I can make history. Think about that. I don't take a project unless I believe my impact on the project is going to change the course of the future. Let that sit with you for a second. Because how many of y'all like to just, oh, yeah, you all you, you want to do some uh, a water business? Let's do a water business. Oh, um, I want to do a stapler business. Let's do a stapler business. Oh, um, let me do uh, a pen business. Yeah, pen business is good. Oh, yeah, let's sell uh, sweaters. Yeah, yeah. Let's think, think of how many of us just start whatever versus those who say, I'm going to hold my God-given talent my God-given skill, my unique experiences on this earth, I'm going to hold it and I'm only going to touch those things that I know I could change the course of the future and, and, and clearly I can make history doing. Think about that. How many of y'all do that? How many of y'all do that? Think of how your life would change if you only did that. If you only did that, that's what I'm talking about. Like that, look at that. This hit me. Shout out to my sister, Ramunda, by the way, running my favorite bookstore in the world, Mahogany Books, coming out of DC, right? But this is what I'm saying. Think about that. Think about that. Now, 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 the step is this. Create unique solutions. This is second step. First step, remember, know everything about your avatar. Secondly is create a unique solution. What, is, what does unique mean? Unique means extraordinary, not ordinary, never been done before, not being done, right? The, insert the, 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 the words or the phrase that you need. But you need to make sure that if you are starting a business or you are growing your business, that you are providing something that no one on the planet provides. This is a major problem with entrepreneurs. They just serve it up the same way, right? No, you have to create a unique solution. You have to think, I'm only going to touch this if I believe I can make history doing this if I could serve someone in a different, unique way. So how do you do that? Here are three resources to help you to create unique solutions, okay? 
Real simple. Your avatar should express life-changing sentiment. What does that mean? When you have your business, when you're rolling out whatever product it is, whatever service it is, right? My sis Ramunda with Mahogany Books, she is a bookstore, right? You think, man, there's lots of bookstores. There's Amazon, right? There's lots of bookstores. But Ramunda actually serves it up differently. And I'm one of her customers. Me, Jill, the boys, we're, 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 we're her customers. She literally, it's life-changing. If your avatar is not expressing that what you are providing or what you are serving is not life-changing, it means it doesn't speak to their inner why. It doesn't speak to their deep pain point. Yes, a bookstore can be life-changing. You need to figure out how whatever it is that you do, you're selling coffee, you're selling water, that your avatar thinks that what you are doing is life-changing, okay? Your avatar must think this. Next up is this. Read the book, Lean Startup, okay? Read this book, The Lean Startup, written by Eric Ries, another Silicon Valley tech bro, okay? But what I love about this is he talks about this concept of MVP, minimum viable product. And I don't want to get too deep into this, but the point here is that read that book. It will teach you about how to create uniqueness around a product, all right? And then for those who are in the BWP Connect community, I've already done a full four-hour class on this. Four hours that I've talked about this. Four hours. I've talked about how you create a unique solution, how you build it, how you break it down, right? Get in the community. Get in the community. Actually, this is a good time to plug the community. Get in the community. Do I have a link for it? Oh, I don't even know if I have a link for it. Here it is. Get in the community, all right? But the point is this. The point is make sure that you are creating a unique solution because if you're not creating a unique solution, then it means that your product is missable. And the moment that your product is missable, that means, right? So let's get up to the next. So that was, that was, that, that's, that's, uh, these are, that's uh, step, step two, right? Step two, create a unique solution. Step three is this one. All right. Step three is this. Now, step three came from the person that I believe is probably one of the smartest, one of the smartest entrepreneurs that I've ever interviewed. This is someone who is create, he, he's, he's created a company that nearly does a billion dollars. This year, he's, he's on course to do over a billion US. Uh, he's, about, he's at about 850 million US. No funding, no VC funding. He is a young man, young black man, and he's doing this in Africa. Now, here's the gem that he dropped. And I'm gonna tell you what, this next step I believe is literally worth thousands of dollars. I repeat, 
This next step, I believe, is worth thousands of dollars. This next step will change your business, period. What's the step, all right? So I was interviewing this, 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 this gentleman, okay? I was interviewing this gentleman. And by the time he was 18 years old, he already had saved 1 million pounds. Now, can I repeat that? Because I mean, let, let, let that really, think about that. By the time he was 18, right? He, 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 he lived in, he, he was, he's from Ghana. He moved to the UK. He was in school and he was conducting various businesses and he already had saved in the bank. He had put a million pounds in the bank. All right. And for those of you that don't know, a pound is worth more than a US dollar. All right. So how many of you all, let me ask you a real question. How many of you all would just call it quits if you had a million pounds in the bank? You had a million pounds in the bank because you could live off interest. You could probably parlay that to $100,000 a year, 100,000 pounds in, in interest per year. Would you just call it quits? Would you call it quits or would you keep going? I'm just curious. Would you call it quits or would you keep going? All right. This man said, nah. This man said, I'm going to keep going. Now, here's where he dropped the gem that completely changed my mind forever. I said, so how are you making a million pounds? And he said, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm selling, he was selling metal. Like literally, he was like taking metal that when, you know, when your cars, when your car gets a ticket and you have like three tickets and they lock up your tires, he was literally taking the, the metal off, right? So this was this flirted on the on the on the lines of legal, but he would take the metal off and and he had a crew that would go run out, take metal off and, and sell it, right? He had um he sold clothes. Like, so if you saw like, you know, Gucci knockoffs and Louis Vuitton knockoffs and all that stuff, he literally was selling all that stuff, right? This, he was getting, he was getting the money wherever he, he can get it. But this is the moment that changed my life. He told me that he had a partner and his partner. So he and his partner were running this business that he personally had already put a million pounds in the bank. So this means that he's, he's making millions. And then he told me that he left his partner and he went back to Ghana. Would you, would you leave your partner? If your partner was, you know, his, and I was like, was your partner stealing from you? No. Was your partner good to you? Yes. Could you trust your partner? Yes. If you could trust your partner, your partner was helping you make millions of pounds. Like, would you leave that partner? I was thinking, why in the world would you leave a partner like that? Here's what he said. My man David said, no, yeah, David's like, I wouldn't leave a partner. Exactly. David, I was thinking the same thing. Here's what he told me that changed my life forever. Here's what Nana Kwame Bediako said. He said the problem with his partner is his partner 
took the same amount of risk that I did. Let that sit in real quick. Because this is thousands of dollars worth of game right here that will change your life. His partner took the same amount of risk that he did. What does that mean? Aha. It hit it. This took me days to think about and to unpack, right? Nana Kwame Bediaka, one of the smartest entrepreneurs I know. All right. Here's what this means. You have to assess and balance your risk level. Let me break this down. The biggest problem that I see with people who are trying to start their entrepreneurial journey or grow their entrepreneurial journey is that they are adverse to risk or they take too much risk. What? So they they either don't take enough risk or they take too much risk. What you have to do, this is very important, is you can't run a business unless you are willing to take the appropriate amount of risk. So how do you know what level of risk you have? And how do you know how to take the appropriate level of risk? Because Nana Kwame Bediako, he, he said his partner was just as risky as he was. He was like, we're both too risky together. So what does this mean? I have a little test for you, okay? I created a test, so I'm patenting this test, okay? I'm patenting this test. This is my own test. This is what I call my risk assessment test. And I wanna put you all through this test right, right now, all right? It's a risk assessment test. And I ran this through with, with Jill, and Jill and, you know, Jill, Jill and I had a good laugh on this, okay? So here's my question, all right? I want everybody to take this, 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 this question. This, this test. So the, the question is this. The question is, how late can you tolerate being delinquent on your mortgage or your rent? All right. I want you to think about this. How late can you personally think about this? Let's say you have, you have a mortgage on your house or you're renting. I want you to think about how late you could tolerate being late. Could you, are you either A, not one day? You can't tolerate one day. You have to be on time. You don't want any adverse credit issues. Or is it B, you could tolerate several months. You don't want to be foreclosed on, but you don't mind the negative credit. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't mind the foreclosure proceeding starting, right? But you just don't want it to get to you being kicked out on the street. Or are you willing to risk it all? Are you willing to put it all on the line, right? And say, you know what? Hey, if we can't pay, we can't pay. Kick me out. Which one are you willing to take? Which one do you believe you need to be if you are going to be a successful million dollar plus seven figure, right? Which one do you need to be to be successful as an entrepreneur? Which one do you think? Which one do you think? 
because I've got an answer for you right now that may blow your mind. All right. So let me tell you this. Personally, I am C. Jill looked at all of these and she said, you're C, Paul. I'm C. I don't like to go to Vegas and gamble, but I'll pull it. I'll put it all on the line when it comes to when I make a decision to apply my God-given talents and create a unique solution. I'll put it all on the line. I'll bet it all on me. I'll bet it all on me. But this is the problem. The problem is I don't always win. And if I don't win, that means my family, that means my boys, that means we're out on the streets. So what's the answer? Yeah, someone says, do you have children? Exactly. I have children and I'm still willing to bet it all. I'm willing to bet it all and I have children. This is me. A lot of entrepreneurs that I talk to, people like Nana Kwame Bediako, they're willing to do the same thing. They're willing to put bet it all. And yes, he has children. But what is the what is the answer? What is the answer? The answer is this. It's not A, it's not B, and it's not C. The question is, do you have people in your life that represent each category? That's it. Because my wife, she's A. Jill is A. She doesn't want to be late one day, right? Not one day. This is the reason why we make a great partnership. I'm willing to risk it all. She's willing. To, she doesn't want to risk anything. We meet halfway. You need to have people in your life who can rein you back or push you forward. This is the reason why nobody is self-made. This is the reason why you can't do it alone. This is the reason why Nana Kwame Bediako said this. He said, my partner is the same person as me. We're both, see, we're both, we both put everything on the line. We can't do this, right? You can't do that. This is why I say this is thousands of dollars worth of game. Because when you were building your business, you need to have people who are going to offset and mitigate, okay? You need to have people who are going to offset and mitigate. So it goes back to this simple point, and that is who is on your team? No matter if you, are, if you are category A, you need people who are B and C. If you're category C like me, you need people who are B and A, all right? It's that simple. It is that simple, okay? It is that simple. All right. So, did you did you receive that? Did you receive that? Okay? Did you receive that? That will change that'll literally change the trajectory of your business right there, okay? Let's get let's get to this. Let's get to this. I learned this from my favorite interview ever. Now, I know we're not supposed to talk about favorites, especially if you have a podcast, if you have a whatever, like you, you, it's not it's not politically correct to say you had a favorite. Screw that. Right. Life is short. I don't let me I'm going to keep it all the way. One thousand with you. This was my favorite interview. And the gems that this person dropped literally are gems that. 
I have like when I had when I when I think back to like the one episode to represent what I want to have represented, it's this, it's this one. Okay. Now I when, when, the reason why I rain down on the tech bros so much is because so many of us start businesses, but we're already like it's like, you know, people say you're trying to get to home base, but you start on third base. Or you're trying to get to home base and you, you, you already started on second base. It's like you're already almost there. You, your family's already connected. You know, when you were growing up, business was talked about at your dinner table. You know, you went to elite co- colleges or universities. It's like though all of the, the people in that circle, I don't I, I, I mean, and that's that's great. Great for you. But most of us are not in that circle. So anytime I see somebody come from the circle of, no, I had to grind. I didn't start on first base. I didn't start on any basis. Then I pay attention. But if you are someone who started below ground, like you started sub-zero, this next, the guest that I interviewed, he started at, I believe, the lowest starting point you could start from. The reason why is this guy was a gang leader. He was basically Omar from The Wire. He ran, he put together his own gang in South London and his gang robbed other drug dealers. That's what this guy started out doing. He was 17 years old and he was, he, he had dropped out of school. He was, he literally was running a gang, created his own gang. They were robbing other gangs in the south of London. At the time, he was considered one of the most notorious gang leaders in the UK. Now you fast forward just 10 years, and he's sitting at Prince Harry's wedding. He is the godfather to Richard Branson's uh, godchildren. He does business deals all around the world, and he's literally considered, I consider him to be one of the most influential people in the UK. Definitely one of the most influential Black people in the UK, but one of the most influential people in the UK, right? How do you go from notorious drug dealer to within less than a decade brokering deals between the royal family and other people? How how do you do that? No college education. How do you do that? I asked our next guest, Carl Loco, that, and here's what he said. Real simple. Real simple. I had to change my crew. Real simple. It's not rocket science. Real simple. I had to change my crew. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your crew. And this is where a lot of people get touchy, like, oh no, she's my girl. I've known her for 10 years. I know her for 12 years. But what is she about? Oh yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, we go back. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but what is he about? I'm here to tell you something real simple. 
Real simple. And that is this. That is the company you keep will be indicative of your growth as an entrepreneur. The company you keep will be indicative of your growth as an entrepreneur. And I'm even talking about family right now. Every, we, all of us have trifling cousins. Everybody has a trifling cousin. Come on now. Who, does, does anybody not have a trifling cousin on here? And if you don't have a trifling cousin, you are the trifling cousin, okay? We all have trifling cousins. You don't have to spend time with them. You don't have to call them. You don't have to talk to them, right? You don't have to. You need to take your precious time and you need to invest it in those, in your circle, who are going to give you yield, right? Who are going to give you yield, right? When you level up your circle, you immediately level up. Your circle is like a tide. You're on a boat, right? The tide goes up, right? Tide goes up, you go up. Your community is your tide, right? Your community is your tide. So the point here is this, is you have to create the right support team. The right support team. What's the right support team for high-performing entrepreneurs? Let me give you three areas, okay? One is risk offsets. We talked about this. What category are you of risk, A, B, or C? Whatever category you are, make sure you have people to offset your risk, all right? That's one area. Two is this, true industry thought leader. This is very important, all right? Very important. Paul, are you still with us? Shout out to my man, David. Always smile when I see my man, David Johns, one of my favorite people on the planet, all right? Paul, Para, are you still with us? Okay, because Paul, if you're still with us, when I say true industry thought leader is, when you are growing your business, you need to understand what industry you're in and Everyone needs this. You need to have someone that you could call. I'm not talking about somebody who you send a DM to on Instagram because you don't have their phone number. Nah, that doesn't count. By the way, if you don't have the person's phone number, they're not your friend. Okay, again, I, 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 don't, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but just because you send them a DM and they respond back with an emoji, it doesn't mean they're your friend and you can't do business with them. Do you have their phone number? If you have their phone number, they're your friend, okay? Now, you need to have somebody in your industry that you could pick up the phone and call and say, hey, um, yeah, this is Paul. Hey, what's up? Yeah, happy new year to you. Uh, I, uh, you know, I want to uh, talk to the CEO of, of Match.com. Can you set up that email? Can you do that? Oh, I, I need to talk to the head producer um, of Love and Relationships over at Good Morning America. Uh, can you? Okay, yes. You need to have, and I was saying, I was giving love and dating advice suggestions because I will own in the dating space, I consider myself to be a thought leader. And I know you, we're not supposed to say you're a thought leader, but screw it. It's 2021. I'm keeping it all the way real, right? In the dating and love space, 
if you need if you need a plug, I think I'm one of the best plugs you can have because there, I, I can call almost anybody in the world and set you up with a phone call, email, et cetera. You need to have the equivalent of me in your industry, on your team, because you need to be able to connect with people throughout your industry, okay? This is critical for you to be able to do this. So this is someone that you need on your team, okay? You need to have this person on your, on your team. Next up is this. You need to have experienced business operators on your team. People who you could call who have either started or grown a business. Why? Because you're going to need a contract and they can give you a contract. You know, you're going to hire an employee and they need to tell you about uh, do you hire them as a W-9 or what? You know, when you, oh, I got to handle my taxes. How do I do that? Oh, you know what? I need to get an attorney. Um, how do I do that? Oh, yeah, I need to set up a business license for this. How do I do that? Oh, I'm going to operate overseas. So I, you need to have people in your circle that you can call and they will just literally say, okay, here, here, here's how you do that, right? Here's how you do that. If you could have these three people in your circle, then you are doing exactly what Carl Loco said. He changed his crew. He was here on the tie, he changed his crew, and now he can operate, all right? This is what we need to do. This is the step. The step is you need to have the right support team, okay? The right support team. All right, let's get to the next step. Where are we here? All right, step five. Oh, man. Step five is the most recent step. The most recent step that I learned. And this is some history. If y'all don't know about this history. So the next person I learned this step from is my one of my favorite families in the world. I was about to say my favorite family, but I, I got to put my family right up there too, right? I like my family. But this family right here is one of my favorites because it's this family, the Reginald Lewis family, all right? If you know me, you know I, I ride for this family. And some of the biggest, uh, biggest honor of my life was to interview uh, Lloyda Lewis, Reginald Lewis's uh, wife, and Christina Lewis, who is the youngest daughter of, of Reginald Lewis. And uh, in BWP, Connect in the community. Let me shout out the community one more time. In the BWP Connect community, we have a book club. And we read this, this book. This was the last book that we read. And then as the last event in our book club, we had Christina Lewis in a private session give us what I consider to be one of my favorite discussions ever, right? One of, one of my favorite discussions ever. And in the discussion, what, what, what Christina Lewis mentioned is she said that her father, her father was one, was not was one, was the first person to fund Jesse Jackson's presidential campaign. All right. So just, 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 just to make sure that y'all remember, Jesse Jackson ran for president, y'all. Jesse Jackson ran for president of the United States. 
And when Jesse ran, he went to Reginald Lewis. A lot of people don't know this story. And Reginald Lewis did two things for him right out the bat. Reginald Lewis let Jesse Jackson use Reggie's private jet. And what? I don't know why I just did that. Private jet. Like I went around like it's a helicopter. Right. By the way, I've not. I've been on actually was on a private jet once, but and I know it's not good for it's 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 it's, it's not good for um for the world and the global footprint. But Lord, I'd love to have access to a private jet. I I, I mean so much so that I, I have we're putting together vision boards here in the family, and I've put a private jet on it because I, I think it would just change my life. Like I don't even want to. I don't even need to drive. I would just like to have a private jet. But anyway. Regil Lewis gave Jesse Jackson access to, to the private jet. And on top of it, Reginald Lewis wrote Jesse Jackson a check for $100,000. And that was the first of several checks he wrote to Jesse Jackson. So he was the first, the first to fund Jesse Jackson's campaign. Now, Jesse Jackson when he started his campaign, he was running against all these people, right? The news media was like, wow, Jesse is so professional, right? It's like, he can speak so well, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, Jesse Jackson is so professional. He has a private jet, right? He's able, his campaign is able to go from the East Coast to the West Coast. He's so organized. He's so blah, 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 right? The news media, was, yeah, come on now. How many of y'all been looked at like, oh, you're so articulate? You know what I mean? That's the way. That's the way they did Jesse. It's the same way. You're so professional. Come on now. But anyway, so they said he's so professional, and then so Christina is telling this story, right? And this is exactly what Christina said, which I thought was perfect. She said it wasn't professional. He just had money. <laughs> I was like, wow, Christina, that's how you break it all the way down. I like this. Christina was just like, it wasn't that he was, it wasn't that he was not professional. You know what I mean? The bottom line is he had money. Money will make you look like anything you need to look like. Right? This is the facts. This is the facts. He just had money. Money is the game changer. Money is the multiplier, okay? So many, what's happening right now in entrepreneurship, I think is very dangerous, right? There are a lot of people who are trying to sell their ability to help you grow your business. There are, there are more business coaches than ever before. Now, the problem is, that what business coaches do, because I know I'm a business coach also, I, I've coached lots of business coaches. I understand what business coaches do. It's a race to the bottom, not a race to the top. So what's happening, what I mean by that, a race to the bottom, so the race to the top is that the number of business coaches for people who have the ability to get funding or are, you know, maybe have a job where they make $200,000 a year and they already have income, like, the race to those people is few. Instead, it, it, we're, we're racing to the point where 
we're going, business coaches are going to folks who don't have any resources. But because of that, they're changing their pitch. So right now, the common business pitch is, oh, you, you don't need money to start a business. Literally, go Google this. If you literally Google like starting a business, no fun, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of experts who are out here to tell you, oh yeah, you, you don't need money to start a business. No, 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 you, you don't need, you don't need that. Let me tell you right now, you need money to start and grow a business. Now, do you need lots of money? No. Do you need VC funding? No. But you need to have some capital. You need to have some what is called runway to, to run your business. And the step that I have here is this. So Cherie says, so see, I knew somebody was going to debate me. It depends on the business. No, no, Sharice, I respect you. I appreciate you being a part of this. It does not depend on the bit. You, everybody needs some. Sharice, give me one business. Give me one business that doesn't need any capital. No, zero money. One business that needs zero money to start. All right. Tell me when Sharice Long has said that. And Sharice, by the way, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, um, you know, put you out here. I do love you. I do respect you de- trying to debate me on this. Notice I said trying to debate me. But Sharice, I'm telling you, I've been in the game too long, sis. Everybody needs capital. Everyone needs capital. This is the lie being offered up to us. It depends on the business, right? And the reason why that's the lie is because they want to pull you into the zone of, oh yeah, you go out here, you try to start. And the moment that you can't actually generate the revenue, you're gone, okay? Some, somebody, please tell me, did, did Sharice offer up the business? I just wanna know, somebody offer up a business and tell me what business you don't need to start. I mean, you don't need capital for. Okay, Sharice said, I help people with resumes. How do you, if, okay, you, if you help people with resumes, who pays for the rent in your home? or the food that you put on, on your table, or like, that's what I'm talking about. The, the, see, what, the reason why we have, why we get twisted on this is, yeah, you don't need capital to start your business, maybe not, but you have expenses. If you are an adult and you don't have the silver spoon, you have expenses. The problem, with us as entrepreneurs is we think about the business burn rate, the business expense. We're not thinking about, oh wait, hold on for a second. At home, we have groceries, we have the light bill, we have all these things, right? Here's what I'm asking. What I'm asking is this. If you are going to run a successful business, you need to have a cash runway of 12 months. And I know that's a lot. A lot of a lot of people even advocate for more than 12 months. They'll say you need to have 18, you need to have 24 months, okay? But you need to have a cash runway of 12 months. Now, what does that really mean? Cash runway, right? All that means is you have to be able to operate for 12 months without having the, without, without having enough income to cover the expenses, right? 
every, every company has a burn rate. And if you were an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, right? As an entrepreneur, you have expenses for your business and then you have personal expenses. What will get you caught up is not the expenses for your business. It's your personal expenses. That is part of your burn rate, okay? What you need to figure out is how you could go 12 months without having to worry about those expenses. Now, you're going to say, Paul, 12 months, that's a long time. I can't even get a month. I can't even get two months. This is critical. The reason why this is critical is because guaranteed when you start your business or you're going your business, you're not going to be able to cover your revenue. You just, you're, I mean, your expenses. You just won't be able to do it. All right. Secondly is you need to have space. Stress-free. I will tell as someone who has gone through being four or five months late on a mortgage, wearing the same suit day after day, like someone who's, I've gone through that. You don't want to go through that. Why? Because not all of us are built to handle that level of stress. There is a reason why suicides are up for entrepreneurs. There's a reason why, I mean, unfortunately, why there are significant diseases that are now brought on by stress that entrepreneurs disproportionately have. Entrepreneurship is stressful as hell. And what makes that stress elevated is the fact that you know, oh my God, I I, I gotta figure out how am I gonna feed my family for the next week, right? If your focus is on feeding your family for the next week, you won't be able to work on historic solutions, learning about the avatar, you know, create, you, you won't be able to have the space to do that. You just won't be able to do it. So you have to figure out how do you put yourself in a safe zone where you can have extended cash flow. Here are some suggestions on how to do it. Okay. Top sources of cash, non-VC cash for entrepreneurs. Spouse salary. why marriage partnership is important y'all i'm not going to belabor this one right now this is the reason why it's important okay spouse salary this is how jill and i did it in the beginning right this is how we did it on her salary right also what a lot the story that i'm not going to go into the long story but also jill my wife she liquidated her 401k right that gave us a lot of startup capital next up is this is part-time salary. You, you got to get your hustle on, right? At no, there's no point where I said, don't go out here and get and, and not be Jamaican. Because let me tell you, I still to this day have 10 jobs. Literally, I have 10 jobs. Actually, I have more than 10 jobs, but I, I, I stop at 10 because if I literally, if intellectually, I tell you I have 12 jobs, you probably won't believe me, but I do, right? So I just say 10 jobs to make a round, but you have to have additional sources of income, okay? Next up is credit card. Yes, credit card, not good. You shouldn't go there. High interest rates, I get it. But if you got to pay 10, 12% to get peace of mind for a year, it's worth it. It's worth it, okay? So that's a credit card. Next up, asset sale. 
talk about it all the time. Back in the day, I had the first, when I worked at my investment bank, I bought the first new body three series BMW. I had the first one, I say on the East Coast, I'm sure there was somebody in New York that had it before me, but definitely in Virginia, all right? The first one, I love that car. It was silver, it was everything, all right? I always wanted that car. When I started entrepreneurship, I sold it, right? I sold it. Asset sales, right? Very important. You gotta sell assets. Next up is product pre-sale. This is very important right now. Very, very important right now. Product pre-sale. A lot of entrepreneurs are doing this. You have to be careful though. You can't sell the dream and not be able to deliver on the dream. But if you are assured that the product that you're creating, you could deliver on whatever the promise is, product pre-sales, very important way of getting cash. Next up is angels, angels. I wanna just emphasize this real quick. This is not VC, we're talking about angels. The, the economy around the world feels terrible, feels bad. In the United States, we have nearly 20 million people who are on some type of financial assistance. 20 million people. We have nearly a million new people every week who are filing for unemployment. And this is the United States. So it is a ripple effect in the world with the exception of China, which by the way, is going to overtake the US economy in just a few years. But that's a story for another day. The point is this. The point is that the world, the economy, it feels bad. But I am here to tell you that there is another part of the world, another group of people, which probably equates to about 10 to 15%, maybe even 20% of the world, who are actually making more money today than they were making before the pandemic, literally. And I'm not here to brag, but I'm that person too, right? There are a lot of people who are making more money today than they were making a year ago. A lot of people. And everyone's stuck at home and they can't spend money on vacations. They don't wanna spend money on new cars because they're now going to be working out of home. They're not spending money on, on, on fashion and clothing because they, they don't see anyone anymore. They have a lot of disposable income. A lot of people out here have a lot of disposable income. And if you need a check for a thousand, a check for five thousand, a check for ten thousand, you know, you need those what are considered to be quote unquote small checks. There are a lot of potential investors out there for that. Okay. And maybe we'll even do a session on, on how to how, how to get access to them, but there's a lot of people out there. There's crowdfunding, clearly, okay? Crowdfunding also is something that, you know, you need to have a platform for, but if you have an audience, crowdfunding is, 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 is a way to do that. Let me get to the, to, to the bonus tip right here. The bonus tip is this. If you are growing a company and you are trying to extend your cash flow, extend your, your runway, the best thing that I have done personally, and I continue to do this with literally every business or project that I'm on, 
is share a percentage of sales opposed to paying direct hourly or annual salary to your staff or to, 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 to people who come on as consultants or designers. This is, the, I'm telling you, this is the way. The number one expense category. So the number one category that, that basically cripples this, that cripples your cash is, is, is salary, right? Is, is the expenses of, of others, is consultants. You know, oh, I gotta have, I gotta pay somebody to do my digital ads. Oh, I, I gotta pay for this part. I got like that, that, that's what eats you up, okay? The number one way to extend your cash flow, I'm telling you, is this, is try your best to share the revenue of your company as a percentage of sales. And guess what? You may have to share more percentage of revenue than you share, than, you know, than you make yourself. And also, I want to underscore this. I'm not talking about share equity in your company. No, you don't have, and by the way, I wouldn't even suggest you, if someone approaches you and says, hey, I want to give you 5% of my company if you come work, don't do that because the 5% will be worth almost nothing. I have advised many companies on equity back in the day, and I will never do that now. I'm, in, there's, there's, I'm, advising, what, I'm advising a company right now. They are worth over, they do over a billion dollar valuation. And they approached me and they asked if I would first take equity, a massive equity stake in this new project that, that they've created. And they were like, surely Paul's going to take equity. I mean, we're this billion dollar company. We're, we're, we're public. Like we, we have, uh, you know, we have experience, you know, launching all these companies. Sure, he's going to take equity. I said, no, thank you. No, pay me in cash. Yes, green. That's the language I speak. That's the language I love. That's my favorite color. Pay me. I mean, I like black, obviously, but green I prefer. You know what I mean? And and, and I negotiate with them for them to give me cash. So I'm not talking about share a percentage of equity, but get a percentage of sale. So I have cash. And I take a percentage of the sales. It doesn't give me ownership in the company. Yeah, that's fine, right? I could take the cash and I could take that money and go over here and now create things that I own. You see what I mean? So make sure that you are getting paid in, uh, in, 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 in cash or you're sharing percentage of sales with your, with your staff and team. It's better. It's a better win for everyone. All right. So the lesson here is this. I know this is a hard one, but you have to extend your cash runway to 12 months. All right. Let's get to six. Okay. Uh, and then let's get to six. Let's get to six. All right. Now, I had the biggest mind blow of my interview career when I interviewed Sharice Jones of Sassy Jones Boutique. Does anybody know Sharice Jones or heard of Sharice Jones, Sassy Jones Boutique? Okay, Sassy Jones Boutique. Now, 
this is the interesting thing. I interviewed Sharice at, God, it was November. It was right around November of 2019. I interviewed her in Washington, D.C., okay? In November of 2019, I interviewed her in Washington, D.C. Sharice Jones, right from Richmond, Virginia. She has Sassy Jones Boutique. She told me that she was on target to do $5 million in sales by the end of, uh, by the end of 2019. So remember, this is November 2019. I interview her. By the end, she thought she was going to do $5 million in sales. Now, I, all right, good. My man Paul is still, I see Paul still with us. All right, Paul, good, good. I'm being accountable for you, Paul. So I'm, I'm making sure that you're still here. All right. So now, I didn't post the interview with Sharice Jones right away. A matter of fact, I waited a full year. And I, it, it wasn't because of the interview. It was just, you know, I started the, the podcast late, you know, whatever. But it, it was a year later when I was going to post my interview with Sharice. So I sent Sharice a text. I'll never forget this. I sent her a text. I was going to post the interview the next week and I sent her a text. I said, Sharice, I hope you're well. I have, you know, I, I'm, I haven't, we haven't caught up in the last year. Um, I'm about to post our interview, but can you give me a quick update on the business, on your business? Because I just want to make sure, like, I, quite honestly, I wanted to make sure she was still in business, right? Because I've interviewed lots of people who quite honestly, I've interviewed them one year and the next year they're out of business, right? They're completely out of business. So I wanted to make sure she was still in business. So I interviewed her. Yes, yeah, Sparkle Party, that's her. I interviewed her. She messages me back. She said, Paul, it's been a crazy year. Let's talk. I'm thinking, damn, like if she wants to talk about this, you know, man, I feel terrible. Like I feel terrible for her business. It means I can't post the podcast, right? I was thinking about all these things. We get on a call and she said, and I said, how'd you do last year? She said, yeah, we, we hit our five. And I said, how much do you think you're going to do this year? Why did she say, Paul, this year, 2020, we're going to do $17 million. And that's it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And let me tell you, I truly feel like I'm becoming better through these discussions. And I hope you feel the same way. Anyways, until next time, catch you on the next episode of Better With Paul.